mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 71st episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's show, we're going to Las Vegas, Sin City, Denise. Or Viva Las Vegas, Diane. <laughs> I was waiting for you to pull out the Elvis again like you did at the end of the last show. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you got to do that. Viva Las Vegas. Actually, that would be your guy. So you do him much better. And I'm not the one who does impressions. Just Well, our listener and executive producer, Heather, is going to be going to Las Vegas in October. And she's going to be staying at a certain casino. And she'd asked if this casino was haunted. And I'm not going to mention where she's staying just for her own privacy. But when we looked at it, Denise, we didn't see any hauntings going on there. So I thought, well, let's take a look at a couple of other casinos. And we found some hauntings going on at Bally's and the Flamingo. So those are the two casinos we're going to be talking about on today's show. Before we do that, Denise, may I just say, welcome autumn. Welcome autumn. You're here. (laughs) This is my favorite season of the year. Of course, here in Florida, we don't get all the fun changing of the leaves like we used to get in Colorado and everybody else up north gets. But there is a little bit of a chill in the air and it's almost time for us to start ramping up for Halloween. Oh, that means we're going to watch a horror movie every day in October. We. I am. Diane's going to watch a horror movie and Oh, and they run all the classics on the Turner Classic Movie Channel. Oh man, it's going to be so good. I'll watch some of the classics. I don't like the new blood, guts, and gore. I actually prefer the kind of horror that's suspenseful. That to me is more terrifying than splattering. I'm not really into splatter flicks. Not my thing. Nope, me I either. can't even watch real surgery. I, ha- I have to turn away or I'm like, Ugh. So should we share my rules about scary movies? You can if you'd like. So scary movies should not be watched at night. And if you go to a theater, you have to go to a matinee because then you can walk out into the daylight afterwards. Well, that's probably why we don't go to a lot of horror movies because they're better at night. And I scare Diane and she always gets mad at me. But I'm like, isn't that the point? I guess you do help to bring the thrills and the chills to the horror movies because I'll just be sitting there quietly thinking, okay, this is where we're going to have one of those jump things they do. It's either going to be a cat or a dog or something stupid and I'm all prepped for it and Denise even if I tell Denise it's coming, she still jumps through the ceiling. But before she does that, she grabs me, which causes me to jump. I am looking forward to October. We are going to bring it in like a lion. Forget about the whole thing they say about <laughs> spring and all that stuff. I-, I like how you just changed the whole March thing. Come <laughs> in like a lion, leave like a lamb to October. <laughs> Because October is the month. Not only is this my birthday month, we will be celebrating our first anniversary of the show. Yes, we will. We're going to bring you a spectacular roundtable for that. We have another roundtable set up for later in the month. We're going to have our spooktacular Halloween special. We've already got lots of great stories for that. If you want to continue to send yours in, you're more than welcome to do that. Denise, where can they send those to? They can send them to historygoesbump at gmail.com. We'll take any of your feedback there. Make sure you check out our website, historygoesbump.com. We want to welcome some folks to the Spooktacular crew. Felicia, welcome. Welcome, Felicia. Alice. Hey, Alice. Tanya. Tanya, welcome. Scott. Scott. And Tammy. 
and Tammy. Good thing we got some testosterone thrown in there. We had a lot of ladies coming in, so we got a guy in there. We also got a four-star review over at iTunes, Denise. That's perfect. This comes in from Zach Cecil. Hello, I accidentally discovered your podcast recently, and I really, really, in all caps, enjoy listening. Thanks for the fun. Well, thanks so much, Zach, for that review. We greatly appreciate it. We'd appreciate your reviews as well. As uh, our voiceover guy likes to tell you, it keeps the ghosties away. Denise, you got your casino chips ready? Um, I got my nickels because you don't let me get anything bigger. Look, you can only bet what you're willing to lose. Okay, I do need to tell them a really quick quirky thing that Diane, our co-host, does. When you gamble, you cannot ever put your winnings back in the machine unless you sneak really fast. And so, so when we go to Vegas, we get our things. And if I reach in, she'll slap me. She'll slap my hand and say, no, 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 you can't spend those. You only put in the fresh money and then we have to cash out. That's right. Then you see, usually you, what, haven't you played for like an hour and had a lot of fun and then you walk out with almost all the money that you went in with? So you spend 20 bucks, have great fun and you walk out with the 20 bucks. Yes. And I've also snuck and put five in and then remember I hit that pretty big jackpot thing. Not a jackpot, but I got a lot of nickels anyway. Are you ready to go to Las Vegas? I am. Become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast for as little as a buck a month. For $5 a month, you can access exclusive content like the Haunted True Crime bonus cast. And for $10 and above a month, you get all that plus awesome History Goes Bump gear. Check out patreon.com slash history goes bump for more information. Or you can give us a one-time donation by clicking the donate button at historygoesbump.com. The mysterious case of Dr. Alfred Limburger took place in 1901 and was reported in the St. Louis Republic. Apparently, the doctor had gone to the home of a sick child and diagnosed him with diphtheria. He told the family what to do to help the child get better, but the family refused the advice and the child died. They blamed the doctor, and it is said that they wished him ill. Some might call this a curse. The doctor was visited in his office later by a woman who prophesied the following, quote, Within nine days that fine mare will die, the colt you value will die, your last hunting dog will disappear, and then you will die, end quote. Dr. Lindberger later visited a club where he liked to play cards, and he announced to his friends that he would be dead in a couple weeks and laughed. He told them about the woman and the prophecy, but he never mentioned her identity. His friends joked along with him. Imagine the doctor's shock and theirs when the mare did indeed die. A couple days later, his good hunting dog disappeared and her two puppies died. The doctor began traveling with friends for protection. He feared someone would try to kill him. After nothing happened, the doctor began to scoff about the prophecy, but he really shouldn't have done that for the ninth day had not passed. And it was in the evening of that ninth day that the doctor was playing cards and made his bid when he suddenly fell forward across the table dead, the victim of a heart attack at the age of 34. Had the good doctor been cursed? Who was the strange woman? We'll never know, but the case of Dr. Limburger certainly is odd. Welcome. We have been expecting you. <laughs> This day in history. 
On this day, September 24th, in 1789, President George Washington nominates John Jay as the first Chief Justice to the Supreme Court of the United States. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is the highest judiciary in all the land. Jay was already a very accomplished man, having been a founding father and signer of the Treaty of Paris. President Washington had actually wanted him as his Secretary of State, but Jay declined, so he was offered Chief Justice. Jay wrote six of the Federalist Papers, making him the perfect candidate for the Supreme Court, as the Federalist Papers helped explain the different parts of the Constitution in the effort to get states to ratify the founding document. He was unanimously confirmed on September 26th for the position. He served for six years, and in that time, he set up most of the rules and procedures for the Supreme Court. He resigned in 1795 so that he could become the second governor of New York. President John Adams nominated him to Chief Justice again in 1800, but Jay declined and retired quietly to his farm because he felt the court lacked energy and dignity. Hello, this is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. Las Vegas has always been considered Sin City because of the permissiveness of what most people consider to be sin, like gambling, sex, drinking, prostitution, and much more. Las Vegas was a warm retreat for gangsters at one time, and some of those gangsters helped Vegas to become the city it is today. People driving towards Las Vegas witnessed the glow on the horizon from all the neon lights that sparks the imagination. What child hasn't sat stunned in a car watching all those blinking lights? This place is the capital of entertainment and a good time. Las Vegas plays host to more than just the living, though. A city caught up in this much emotion is the perfect setting for ghostly activity. Today we explore just two of the places that are reportedly haunted. The Flamingo and Bali's have interesting histories that have led them to be rumored to be haunted. Get out your tokens and loosen up that arm for some one-on-one with a one-armed bandit as we venture into the casinos of Vegas. Las Vegas means the meadows in Spanish. The Las Vegas Valley was oasis-like and contained springs that were only known to Native Americans until a scout named Rafael Rivera came upon the area while searching for water. Around 14 years after Rivera's discovery, John C. Fremont led an expedition out to the west, and his group camped at Las Vegas Springs in 1844. This was one of four expeditions he led. Fremont was an interesting character in history. He was a man set on his own desires. He was court-martialed for mutiny and insubordination, and later during the Civil War, he was relieved of his position by President Lincoln for insubordination. But he was successful enough that he was continuously given more responsibility, and he meant enough to Las Vegas that they named a street for him, Fremont Street. That street is the second most famous street in Nevada. The first, of course is the Las Vegas Strip. The Las Vegas Strip is world famous because it is a section of Las Vegas Boulevard that is home to a concentration of casinos. Two of those casinos are the Flamingo and Bali's. The Flamingo is the oldest operating casino on the Strip, and thus it dates back to the time when the mob ran Las Vegas. And indeed, the Flamingo was built by Bugsy Siegel. The casino cost him $6 million to build and opened in 1946 under the name the Pink Flamingo Hotel and Casino. Originally, the property was owned by Charles Pops Squires. 
He was one of Vegas's first settlers. Margaret Folsom brought the property from him in 1944 and then sold it to Billy Wilkerson. He was planning on building a resort that would be the finest in town, but the war caused supplies and building materials to soar, and Wilkerson soon ran into financial issues. Bugsy and his gang had come to Vegas for the gambling, and when they heard Wilkerson was having problems with finances, they posed as businessmen and bought a two-thirds share of the project. One of the fun facts is that Pops paid $288.75 for the property, while Wilkerson paid $84,000. Talk about a profit on your land. <laughs> no kidding. I wish our house would go up. Actually, no, I don't, because then taxes no, would follow it. Exactly. And we do have some original pictures in the show notes if you want to see what these casinos look like when they first got their start. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. The Flamingo was built in the Art Deco and streamlined modern styles. That's the kind of style that you see in old Miami. George Vernon Russell was the architect. Some of Wilkerson's design ideas would become staples at casinos. The idea for no clocks and no windows in the casinos was his, as well as the fact that even non-gamblers have to walk through the casino to register and get around the hotel. When the finances dwindled and Bugsy and his partners were brought on, another architect was hired named Richard Straddleman. Del Webb became the contractor. The hotel opened with 105 rooms, tennis courts, a nine-hole golf course, and a trap shooting range. There was a habitat built for flamingos that was a garden courtyard. The flamingo did not receive its name from Bugsy. Hollywood went with the legend in the movie Bugsy that claims Bugsy named it for his girlfriend, whom he nicknamed Flamingo because of her long skinny legs. Wilkerson gave the casino its name when he first started designing the building. I guess he liked exotic birds. And flamingos are pretty cool. so They are cool. I do like them. Especially when they come with little Mickey Mouse ears that you put on them. Oh yeah, like our flamingo in the yard. <laughs> yes, we do have a pink flamingo for the yard. With Mickey Mouse ears. Bugsy may have been good at running criminal enterprises, but he had real issues running a legitimate hotel and casino. During building, which was still ongoing even after the casino officially opened, cost overruns reached $4 million. The grand opening of the Flamingo was a complete flop and the casino lost $300,000 in its first two weeks because without completed rooms for people to stay in, they took their winnings elsewhere. Business was so bad that Bugsy closed the Flamingo. He finished construction and reopened in March of 1947 with a much better reception. Despite the Flamingo running a profit, investors were not happy. They wanted bigger returns and since most of these investors were other mobsters like Lucky Luciano... Bugsy was in hot water. A meeting was called in Havana, and Bugsy completely lost his temper and stormed out. Not a good idea with the mob. As one would expect, a hit was ordered on Bugsy, and he was killed while sitting on a couch in the home of his girlfriend on June 20, 1947. At the same time, several mobsters walked into the Flamingo and took over operations peacefully. The killing of Bugsy would make national news, and suddenly everybody wanted to come to exciting Las Vegas. The Flamingo changed ownership and names many times along the way, including becoming the Flamingo Hilton under the Hilton Corporation for some time. 
Harris Entertainment is the current owner. The hotel was expanded to 3,626 rooms, and the casino now covers 77,000 square feet. That's a big big hotel. Many singing acts and other performers have presented entertainment at the Flamingo. As of 2015, Olivia Newton-John and Donnie and Marie Osmond alternate performing regularly at the casino. In 2012, the Port Adelaide Football Club came to the Flamingo to celebrate. Player John McCarthy decided that he wanted to attempt to jump from the roof to the top of a palm tree. Apparently, he must have had a few too many drinks because it was a horrible idea. He made the jump and rather than landing on the tree... He fell 30 feet to his death. The Three Queens Motel was opened on the current site of Bally's Casino in 1963. That business was short-lived, and the Bonanza Hotel and Casino was built on the property in 1967. In 1973, the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino was opened in place of the Bonanza. It had 2,084 rooms, making it the biggest hotel in the world at the time, and it cost $106 million to build. Kirk Kikorian was the owner, and he loved the movies, and he owned MGM. So that is where the name came from. The decor reflected Hollywood, and it had two large theaters. It became the standard for Las Vegas. The grand opening was attended by Cary Grant and Gregory Peck. Dean Martin opened the showroom. When going to the MGM... Everybody dressed to the nines. A fountain with a giant statue of Zeus was installed. People stepped down into the casino, which was relatively quiet, and they could take elevators down into the shopping area that had the most high-end shops of anywhere. A 300-seat movie theater was down there as well with blue leather plush love seats and couches. There were tables at each seat with red call buttons. Everything was wonderful until November 21st, 1980. A fire started in one of the restaurants early in the morning and made its way up into the hotel. Tragically, 85 people were killed, mostly from smoke inhalation. The number could have been higher as there were 5,000 people in the hotel at the time. 1,000 people were rescued from the roof alone. There were no fire sprinklers in the casino. And if it hadn't been for the opening in the stairwells and elevator shafts and faulty smoke dampers in the ventilation system, the smoke might not have reached up into the hotel's tower, which is where most of the deaths occurred. New fire standards were created after what was the worst disaster in Nevada history and the third worst hotel fire in modern U.S. history. The MGM Grand was rebuilt in eight months. And Denise, where this fire started, initially I watched the report of what was happening live and they thought it was a grease fire. Apparently this was not up to code and they had one of those, you know, those display cases that people put out in a bakery So that you could see the baked goods that are in Mm -hmm. there. They're supposed to be self-contained and keep themselves cool. Well, this one was not self-contained and it was hooked into a special condenser and coil system that went up into the wall. And they didn't make sure that they installed it according to code. And so it would rattle against the electrical system that was there. And it was wearing whatever covering or coating was on the wiring that was there. And that's what ended up sparking the fire because... The problem is the condenser vibrated continuously while it was keeping stuff cold and all that vibration. Eventually, those electric wires were hitting the coil, I guess. And so a spark got going and it was early morning and a lot of people actually never woke up. They were found dead in their beds from the smoke inhalation because it just went right through the ventilation system. In 1985, the hotel was sold to the Bali Entertainment Corporation for $594 million and renamed to Bally's. The Hilton Hotels Corporation bought Bally's in 1995. Hilton eventually formed their casino holdings under Caesars Entertainment Incorporated, and Harris Entertainment bought Bally's in 2005. So the Flamingo and Bally's are under the same ownership. 
Recent news was made at Bali's in 2013 when a gunman opened fire in the after-hours club there, wounding two people and killing a third because he didn't want to pay the cover charge. Hauntings and casinos seem as though they would go hand-in-hand with all the connections to the mob, but also because of the strong emotions that run high. For many of us, gambling in a casino is a fun pull of the arm on a slot machine. But for some, it is a serious business. Those with gambling addictions or just simply caught in the horrible wheel of trying to win back money that one couldn't afford to lose have real heavy emotions at play. There is the intense stress, the anger, and most importantly, the fear. And with Bally's playing home to a location that once had a deadly fire, it's not surprising that there are reports that the Flamingo and Bally's are both haunted. Bugsy Siegel invested a lot of time and money into the Flamingo, so it is not surprising that he would want to stick around in the afterlife, and he has. He is seen most often as a full-bodied apparition in the presidential suite that he designed with bulletproof windows and five exits. He is also seen near the pool. There's a memorial for him in the garden, and occasionally his spirit has lurked there as well. A cleaning lady quit after seeing Bugsy's ghost on the fifth floor. So that's all we found for hauntings when it comes to the flamingo. There could be something else there, but mostly it just seems that it's Bugsy hanging out. And isn't it interesting? Bulletproof windows, five exits so that he could make a quick escape in case anybody tried to kill him and he gets shot at his girlfriend's place. (laughs) (laughs) Guess he didn't think about making her place bulletproof. The upper floors at Bally's report the most activity, which started almost immediately after the big fire. Full-bodied apparitions have been seen many times. The disembodied sound of weeping and screaming is heard. The acrid smell of smoke is reported many times, and the occasional fire alarm goes off for no reason in particular. A service elevator in the North Tower was the scene of several employees' deaths. Modern-day employees claim that they all avoid the elevator at all costs because of the strange occurrences that happen with that elevator. Casino-goers have reported seeing a strange, misty smoke in a corner that seems to be enveloping a woman. This apparition has actually been witnessed playing the slot machines before disappearing. A bluish-green spirit that appears to be disoriented has been seen. A comment at TripAdvisor states, quote, The hotel was good and the location is right in the middle of the strip. I had a nice room on the 23rd floor. The only odd thing was that at 6.30 one morning, I observed a woman standing in my room for about three minutes until she slowly faded away, end quote. I don't know about you, but if there's a woman standing there for three minutes, I don't think I'm just sitting there looking at her for three minutes. I'd be like, depending upon what form she's taken, if she's see-through, I'm out of the room. If she's solid, I'm telling her to get out of the room. So I I thought that was kind of interesting. Hey, we had a great place on the strip. The only strange thing was there was this woman that just was standing at the end of the bed and then she just vanished. It was kind of weird. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, maybe they were a fan of Twilight. They were used to things of the afterlife or other life showing up on their bed to watch them sleep. Well, this person is not the only one that had issues on that 23rd floor. So if you're staying at Bally's and you don't want to have a haunting experience, don't stay on the 23rd floor. This also came from TripAdvisor, and this person had quite the harrowing experience. Quote, I had no clue about what I was getting into. I upgraded to a renovated room on the 23rd floor. Initially, I was happy about the room until I encountered weird things that took place in the early a.m., around 3. I had the worst four sleeps ever, so I'm assuming they stayed for four days. My wife had her first night terror ever. She was facing the wall, yelling and screaming at the top of her lungs so loud, I jumped out of bed, clinching my chest. She was yelling stuff like, oh my God, and leave me alone, and was running towards the door. The screams coming from her were so loud that I thought security was going to be called. I was so frightened that I had a hard time breathing for like 45 minutes. 
This was the first time in her life she had a night terror. Other weird things were chills running through my body constantly. It started from my head and would go through my body, out of my feet, and cycle through repeatedly. I travel a lot, and I thought this was weird, so I decided to go talk to customer service, and I asked them if there was history to the room. She assured me that she had no recollection of anything on that room recently and offered us to stay on a much lower floor. I declined because I wanted to still have a bar fridge, and I didn't believe in ghosts or supernatural stuff, and convinced myself it was probably a bad dream that she has no memory of. My wife and I returned to the 23rd floor, and as I exited the elevator, I made a comment to her that was... What would you do if there was a fire here? I never made comments like that before. Again, I continued to have chills. The bar fridge made banging noises and it felt weird. The last night as I couldn't sleep, I looked over at the curtains and saw clean air waving movements in the corner. I didn't want to look anymore, so I slammed my eyes shut and prayed. Then as I started to fall asleep, I had a bad dream and woke up instantly. It was about a man running frantically that I thought he was chasing me but was running for water like a calm ocean but was running fast in panic on the shoreline. I thought all this was crazy and had explanations like the AC was what gave me chills and the night terror was from a late meal, etc. When I arrived home, I was curious, so I started to Google things and found out that the 23rd floor is most haunted and a fire broke out in 1980 where 85 people perished. I had no knowledge of this before and will now check for histories before I book another hotel. End quote. Probably not a bad idea. This is one of those, they had some weird experiences. Was it supernatural? I don't know. I could easily explain a lot of this stuff. Could be overactive imaginations. It is curious that his wife has never had a night terror and she almost seemed like she was possessed in this way, that she would be screaming like that in the hotel room. Exactly. One of Bali's most active apparitions is that of a young boy. He is heard in the corridor of the 17th floor calling out to his mother. On the same floor, an elderly couple are witnessed walking down the hall, and they just disappear. The man has his arm wrapped protectively around the woman. These hauntings that occur at both casinos are not played up by management. They actually would prefer that the stories not be told as they see it bad for business. And based on some comments at TripAdvisor, one might believe that. But our experience has proven that reports of hauntings make places seem more attractive, hence why nearly every bed and breakfast in Florida claims some kind of haunting. So, are the Flamingo and Bali's casinos haunted? That is for you to decide. I don't know. It sounds very possible. I mean, having a fire like they did at Bally's or it would have been the MGM Grand. I don't know. That's there's You've got all kinds of stuff going on when it's fire. You know, you've got pain. You've got fear. fear. Yep. All kinds of stuff going on there. Not to mention that the people who survived were going to be exuding those kinds of emotions as well. So who knows? I do know it could be kind of a haunting place for you if you uh, have a gambling problem. Oh, yes, it could. Definitely. So Denise, since the next show was your idea, why don't you share with everybody what we'll be covering? Well, we thought it was time to go back to a person who is haunted. And this one also carries a curse. So we'll be talking about the life and afterlife of Bruce Lee. Sounds like it'll be a good one. There you get your martial arts in there. Yes, I did. (laughs) Well, guys, we want to thank you for listening to this one. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Executive producers of this podcast have been Amy Connor, Dave and Ann Student, Heather Williams, Jade Lewis, Stephen Pappas, Janice Carlson, Dan Foytick, Rachel Cooper, Levi Drescher, and Leanna Sapien. Thank you. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting, and join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page. And-
and follow us.